0: On this episode of Regina's Roundtable, I am super, super excited to share with you guys this interview that I did with Leslie Main, the founder of the Permission to Start Dreaming Foundation. And they also put on the Race for the Soldier, which is kind of just blown up and kind of a nationwide event, even though it's here in Gig Harbor every year. Uh, It supports uh, our veterans and first responders who are suffering from PTSD, creates awareness, and they have all kinds of goodness happening. And this literally was one of my favorite days uh, this past year, maybe more than that. It was really, really awesome. We sat down and didn't stop chatting for about two hours. So I don't know how long this podcast will be, but this will be part one of our interview, and you can always check out the video version over on our YouTube. So enjoy if you have, if you or anybody you know has ever suffered from depression or loss of a loved one or suicide, uh, you will want to sit down carve out some time and listen or watch uh, this episode. Enjoy, you guys.
1: The smell oh, me too. I'm with you, girl. In fact, in the wintertime when I'm really longing for it, I, I'll just rent a little cabin somewhere that I can find. Yeah. That has to be, and, and, and one or two times I've gone there and it's a fake one. Oh. I said, no, oh, it's not, this fun. not the same.
0: I've been Can't. told that I
1: should do that. I go out and hmm. a cabin. Yeah. Just... Just anyway. do it. I do yeah. it a, as, as a uh, mom. Yeah. I think I wish I'd done it more. I tried to run away from home a couple of times. Yeah. I just I said, time out. I, yes. I can't. I'm the chief cook and bottle washer. Nobody likes me. Nobody loves me. Nobody's giving me <laughs> And you still bring your same shit to me every single day, and I'm cleaning your clothes and I'm making it. And no, nobody's given me the kind of respect that I need. I'm out. You know, I'm out. You know. But uh, now I can do it because nobody, you know, cares whether i run away or not because I'm just living by myself. But I still need it. Yeah. Um, I think it does good for your soul just to just go take a breather. Yeah.
0: Are we on him? Yep. Okay, uh, good. Yeah. Um, I think we've been on the whole time. But okay. That's uh, um, it's so funny because I do that, too. I call a timeout for myself because I grew up playing sports. So that's oh, why yeah. I'm like, Mama needs a timeout. Yeah. And I call it that. Like, well, once every, do. yep,
1: timeout, I'm out. Well, well and I, I good luck. It, it helps your kids, too, realize that sometimes when things just get you know, get to be so much, you, you it, it's a healthy thing to just say, you know what? Time out. Let's step back. But let's either start over or I just, I need to walk away. Or I might say something that maybe is going to not be the correct mm-hmm. thing. It's not what you say, it's how you say yeah. it. Yeah. And we can all get really worked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I've learned a few things, but.
0: I don't know, Mike. Well, we're going to talk about it. But I should um, probably introduce you um, first. Or let me actually, this is episode three. <laughs> Yay, thank you for being here. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself and just kind of give us a brief kind of overview
1: of what you do now. And then we'll take it back. Well, my name is Leslie Main. And uh, I'm now 66 as of right. yesterday. I'm a mother of four, and um, I've done a lot of different things in my life. But this last chapter of my life, um, I started a foundation called The Permission to Start Dreaming. Um, It officially started in 2013, but it really got launched in 2011. Um, That was the first race for a soldier. so there's four events that we do with this foundation. Um, But the mission itself is to help veterans... Uh, really reclaim their lives when they've uh, lost their way after service to their country. And um, I saw a real void there when my own son uh, was in the um, VA hospital for six months. And uh, he was in there in 2008 and then into 2009. And he was being treated for post-traumatic stress and also traumatic brain injury after serving in Iraq. And, um, you know, they ended up discharging him in 2009. March 6th, and they told him he was just taking up a bed and that he could self-medicate. And we would have these conversations leading up to it. What What does that exit plan look like? Mm-hmm. Um, you and him? He and I on the phone. Okay. Yeah, I was here in Tacoma working for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Lived in Gig Harbor for the last 25 years, though. Um, but I would talk to him as much as I could, and um, I was very concerned about him. I was concerned that there wasn't a resource for me to find for him. Mm-hmm. And I was moving heaven and earth to try to find those. But in 2009, we were seeing a lot of uh, suicides out on the base here in, in uh, Joint Base lewis McCord. We were seeing a lot of reckless um, living, if you will, from soldiers coming back. Mm-hmm. And um, it was an epidemic then. And um, I had a few people try to give me some good advice, a few books here and there. But honestly, there was no safety net um, that I knew and between his dad that lived in Virginia and me that lived out here, his sisters and brothers and cousins that were very concerned, we really didn't know what that looked like. And then they discharged him on March 6th without uh, giving any indication to any of us. And it was uh, actually something that uh, was a document that was signed that I've since found that said before the soldier is released or discharged, Mm -hmm. call his parents and that didn't happen. So Kyle, um, at 27, was discharged from Perry Point, Maryland. And my guess is that he was feeling pretty hopeless, probably some shame. I've read since his journals and had years to think about it, um, reflect on it. But in that moment, when he found that hotel room in Baltimore, I don't know that his intent was to take his life intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was a... uh, self-destructive mode he was in that night. Uh, he had a lot of medication. And when he asked me the question a couple of days prior, mom, they say I can self-medicate, what do you think? And I, my answer was, I don't know, Kyle. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. And um, so he found a Baltimore hotel room. I think he had about 90 bucks in his pocket. There were some other friends that gathered there with him in the hotel room, I understand. And he didn't wake up the next day so he he was non-responsive the next morning and um so you know we lost him uh he ran out of time we ran out of time to help him and i got the call that day and um you know my life has changed drastically i mean that was the my very pivotal moment and we've all had loss in our life but losing a child uh, that's the game changer that's that's the game changer. So in answer to your question, the long answer is that I am dedicated in the last chapter of my life uh, to stand in the gap for those veterans that um, need that extra love and extra support and hug and uh, in a very meaningful, compelling, powerful, strength-based way, not just lip service. Yeah. So I have had...
0: Um, we're going to talk more about the foundation, but I'd like to... Well, actually... I imagine that when you lose a child, I've had some people come through um, as clients who've lost children. And I imagine that there's a before and
1: there's after. Is that right? Yeah. The easy some- part. The easy part is those immediate moments, months, maybe even year. As uh-huh. as painful as that, probably hard to hear from somebody. Yeah. You know, you're you're just you you're going through the motions. I mean, the pain is. I, know, I mean, without sounding dramatic, it, it truly hurts that bad. It should kill you. And I remember getting the words um, that we had lost him, and I got him over the phone from his father because the Baltimore police had shown up at his home in Hamilton, Virginia, and my youngest son was actually at the home that weekend from school. And so Cody, at age 21, received the news from the police, and his father was not on the property at that time and um, I remember getting the phone call and you know if you've given birth you remember what those groans often happen when you're giving birth and they're sort of almost out of body Mm -hmm. you know that feeling and you don't have any control over those groans that's the same kind of groan I think in fact I know that I probably let out when I first heard those words um, it was guttural. It was from a place where I don't even know if I could even ever repeat it. Um, but it, it um, yeah, th- there's, there's nothing to compare. It's inconceivable, it's unspeakable, it's um, all those things. And so then you go through the moments and you go through the days of planning the funeral and flying back. And, you know, it's all sort of a blur. So I have enormous grace for mothers and fathers who have experienced any level of that kind of loss, whether it's through cancer, car accident, or killed in action, or sudden death Mm -hmm. as a baby. Once you've experienced it, um, you're supposed to feel that kind of profound pain. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: That that's the gift that God gives us to love that deeply. and then to experience that loss, you're supposed to feel that, you know. Um, no, that wasn't that
0: long ago. I when I was reading, gosh, it feels like the race for the soldier was so much longer than I know yeah. it was. No, it really
1: wasn't that long ago. No, it's pretty amazing. You know, people ask me, um, you know, you know, how does it feel? So Some, sometimes when you see people remembering the anniversaries of, of a death of a loved one or a child and now well, it's been five years you know get over it you know yeah. or 15 years come on you got to move on and it's not the kind of thing that you ever you know it's never going to go away but you certainly you know God gives us the circumstance in life I'm not saying that he I don't blame God for for Kyle's death I mean that was Kyle was the master of his fate. Uh, He took those drugs, he did that alcohol, there were other drugs involved. Um, He made a conscious choice that night. Whether he was in his right mind or not, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but that was Kyle's fate, and and that was the end of his chapter here on Earth. And um, it's tragic for the rest of us because I wanted a lot more time with him, but but when that circumstance comes into your life, uh, at some point, you know, you can linger there for as long as you want to, but at some point you got to figure out what you're going to do with that. And I don't believe that God wastes a tragedy. I really don't. But it took me a long time to figure out what what that looked like. You know, what was I going to do with this incredible pain? And where was that love going to go? And what was that shift? How was I going to make that shift? So there was a lot of darkness uh, before the light, that's for sure. But, yeah, it'll be 10 years in March that we will have this anniversary of Kyle's death. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it took me about a year at least. I left. I sold everything. Quit my job. And how old were the, your other kids? So, Kyle was 27, Kelsey was 25, Kendall was 23, and then Cody was 21. Okay. Um, so, all still young adults mm-hmm. uh, finding their way. Kelsey was happily married to her high, high school sweetheart. Uh, Kendall was finishing college and uh, living in New York and, and um, trying to figure out life in New York and she had some other losses going in her life. but And then Cody was in college. But it was devastating for them. And they're still... They're, they're, they've are they're had their own journey of that trauma. Mm-hmm. But I know that as they see their mom get stronger, it gives them something to look to, and they see that they don't have to worry so much about me. Because I think they were pretty worried about me. And they should have been. No, I was worried about me. Everybody was. I mean, I... I had other losses going on at the time. I was going through a, um, a, a marriage that um, probably should have never happened. Um, but all the same, it was devastating to me. Um, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see the end of that marriage coming. And that was happening all in the time of Kyle's struggle in the VA. And, um, yeah, I didn't at one point, and then, and of course, along with that, I mean, literally, I lost everything. I lost all, all, everything I knew financially, my stability, financial stability, my social status, if you were, who I was, what I was doing. And then, when my son died, it was like, whoa, man. <laughs> you know, seriously. Um, what else can you do? What else can happen here? Because I felt like I'd been pushed off a cliff, and I was never going to land. So... I was working. I was doing really meaningful work at the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Mm -hmm. I was running the summer camp for kids. I was um, running. How long have you been doing that? Ten years. Okay. And I've been um, involved with the ALS population and running the facilitation for the support groups and uh, the clinics. And I loved those families, and they were very dear to me. And um, but their needs were great emotionally and physically, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have it. And this was Pierce County? So this is Pierce County okay. out of Tacoma. But we ran the summer camp uh, here in, uh, at the YMCA mm-hmm. and also uh, Wasco. And, um, I mean, one of the things I did which brought me the greatest joy was traveling around to the high schools, including Peninsula and Gig Harbor and Sumner and White River and all in between. And I would <clears throat> look for volunteers, high school volunteers that would be willing to give up a week of their summer and be the arms and legs for kids I uh, with neuromuscular disease and and you know what? I I loved doing that. I loved recruiting young people to do something that was greater than themselves. And it was it was a really easy sell for women, young women. It was a harder sell for men, young men, because you know they got to do things that they're not that comfortable with. But once they did, and we have a lot of firefighters and first responders that would always do that. Um, Gosh, it was one of the greatest joys of my life. But at that point, I realized um, that I was disingenuous taking a paycheck from them. Um, my heart wasn't into it, and I was just I was, I was dialing it in, mailing it in, if you will. And then with this, the end of this marriage, and the the house was going into foreclosure, and and then uh, so Kyle's death and service was March two thousand nine. And uh, my divorce was two weeks later. Oh and then I was supposed to run a summer camp in June. And then telethon was coming up in August. And, you know, um, by the end of that year, I realized I was so lost. I was so sad. I honestly, I was I was really um, isolating myself. And I found there weren't enough drugs or alcohol to take away that mm-hmm. pain. So I made a decision to just give it away, sell it, give my, uh, my notice. And in January of 2010, I got in my red truck, my Toyota pickup truck, and uh, my son Cody drove with me for a little bit. And my tribe at the Wesley Inn, my pastor and my friends, basically gave me a send-off prayer. And the prayer was just to have conversations with God that I'd never had before in my life. Because I had to figure this out, I was on the road to ruin, and I nothing made sense this side of heaven. Nothing, um, and I had I just I was hopeless, and and I think that's why I I um, identify with veterans or anybody with mental illness. It's not so much that they want to, especially in suicidal cases. It's not so much that people want to die. It's just that they don't want to live with that kind of pain or that kind of hopelessness, or that kind of confusion. Mm-hmm. And so I needed some people that would love me through it. I needed prayers. I needed a tribe that would love me no matter what and continue to remind me of who I was, and not only in their eyes, but in the eyes of God. And But I had to figure it out. But that constant reminder was the greatest gift that my friends and family ever gave me, and then just that patience with me. And allow me to go to wherever I needed to go to figure it out. So where'd you go? So, <laughs> so we went down. We did the coast. You know, we traveled just lightly. And so they just supported. They did. I got gift just... cards. I got new tires. My oil was changed. Um, I had a little. We didn't have. Uh, we didn't have devices on our phones at that time. What was that thing that? that you bought and put in your car oh, the, the Garmin the, the Garmin yes <laughs> I got a Garmin now I was packed up like the clampets I mean I looked like I was coming out of right into West Virginia out of West Virginia and my son Cody he was lost too and so he said mom I don't know what to do I don't know where to go can I come we'll with you let's start the journey yeah. with you so we went down to California visited every beach cried at every hotel Um, we had to sort of, you know, we had to go to clean sheets, hotels, and we had to, I had to watch it, because I Mm -hmm. I didn't have any money. I had 900 bucks or something. And, uh, you know, we found our way, and Cody had this guitar that I'd bought him, and, uh. No, I'm assuming this is not how you were living 15, 20 years earlier. No, not at all. No, no, uh uh-uh. No, I've, I've lived in beautiful homes, and when I make a home, wherever I go, but. No, my um, the father of my four children still lives in the home that we built for our kids in Virginia. Beautiful, six acres and wonderful. It's the country in Virginia, and uh, uh, and then this home in uh, Alala was wonderful. No, I'd always been employed and worked hard and had a home, and you know, um, my if you knew me back then, you would have said I was a community um, uh, contributor and. I was very involved in everything, and I had a nice, uh, not a sizable bank account, but I, you know, I had financial security, but um, it's all monopoly money in the end, that's what I've learned, it's like, you know, I, what I've learned is, is that, you know, putting stock in any of that matters not, Uh, not that you shouldn't be frugal and make good choices and be a good servant and steward of your money, but when... When things happen in life and you lose it all, you really have to look to something deeper than that, and, and, and you find a way to survive, and, and I and I have, and I did. I My sister lives in Southern California, and she took us in, and those were some of the most um, powerful days, and then she sent us off, and so I uh, ended up in South Texas because I have an aunt that lives down there. So he has the guitar. Oh, he's got the guitar, and he's <laughs> playing, and he's, yeah, we're playing, and... And, uh, bless his heart, he, he, he's a musician, and he, and, and he always drove us nuts with his drumming and all that going. But but he's very talented, and so he would play, and it was sort of a, a comfort. And I knew it was, and so I was happy to get this guitar for him. Now he's 21, you know. So, um... The damn kid leaves it in the Weed Hotel that we're at. The hotel in Weed, California. In Weed, <laughs> in weed. yeah. yeah, was, yeah. I grew up in all. Northern California. But it yeah. was this cute little motel, and we, 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 just, we honestly, we didn't even talk a lot because we couldn't. We, we were paralyzed. We were paralyzed with sadness, just, just profound sadness. But the guitar kept him alive, and at least I could drive, and we figured things out, and then we. We just tried to make the best of it. And I think that in perspective, Cody and I look at that now as just the most amazing road trip. But boy, it didn't feel very joyous at the time. It felt extremely painful. But he leaves it and we leave the next day. We're 100 miles into our trip south and I said, Cody, why don't you? Because he was driving me nuts because he was, he was picking all the music and it ended up being reggae and I was going out of my mind. I just I just wanted either some classical or some just something I could live with and and he, he wouldn't, and, and I knew he was in pain, so I let him make the choice. So I said, Cody, bring out that guitar. Let's let's. I'd love to hear you. Mm-hmm. Just play anything. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes. He said, Mom, I didn't want to tell you, but I think I left it back at the hotel. And he was crushed, and I was crushed. Because for me, that meant, so it wasn't the money. It was just, for me, that was his lifeline. That was going to save our butts all the way down to, Texas, because it was going to give him something. So I pulled over and we found this little gift store and I bought him. Don't ask me why. The only thing that was there that was musical were the bongos. Bongos! But because he's a drummer and I, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. So I was so enabling his habit. But God bless him, we still have those bongos and I don't even know if he did much with them. But it was more of a, I can't buy you a guitar because there's nothing here, but I want you to keep doing your music because I think you're going to find healing and solace in this music. So that was really more what I was trying to say to him is, you know, just do something musical that will save your soul mm-hmm. at this point. Um, so we end up, and we, and it all just looks so great. There was just nothing beautiful. We saw nothing beautiful, but my prayer inside was, God, let me let, let me just see you in everything and every person we see on this journey. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, show up. Yeah. If you're real, and if you really do love me, if I am mm-hmm. really your child, that you're crying along with me mm-hmm. because you know how sad I am. Um, just show up in people and in places and in things. And um boy did he. Um, even when I didn't know, you know, but they were there. Yeah. And so we end up in South Padre Island area, Los Fresnos, because that's where my aunt has a business. Mm-hmm. And um, she took us in, she gave me a job as a bookkeeper, and if anybody knows me, <laughs> who in their right mind would hire you, Leslie, as their bookkeeper? But that was her need and, um, and then she hired Cody to work in the um, warehouse. And um, if you've ever been to South Padre Island and that area, it's right along the border of Mexico. Mm-hmm. So it's Northern Mexico, if you will. There's a great culture down there. Um, you know, there's people that come from the Midwest and live down there in the, in the winter, but the rest of the world, it's a ver- very uh, Hispanic culture. Um, And she's got a thriving company down there, and um, she hires wonderful people, and um, they just allowed us to live there. And I think my Aunt Barbara was always hoping that I would stay there, because I think she missed having part of her family down there. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has a daughter and, and grandkids and all that, but it pleased her to have me down there. And it But it was really mostly, she loved Kyle. She knew his demons and the challenges. She was with me for many, many years. Mm-hmm. She's always been a mother to my kids, or an aunt to my kids, if you will, or grandmother, because my mom died a long time ago. So my Aunt Barbara has this incredible um, spirit, and um, she just allowed me to be there. And it would become some pretty dark days. Uh, Cody... Lasted two weeks, and um, it wasn't for him. And there's not a lot of young people down there, his age. I don't even know what he was searching for. He didn't know, but it it was clear that it wasn't the right setting for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went back to live with his dad, and figure things out, um, and he he's and go back to school, I think, for a while. But you no, know, he's had some tough years of figuring out what his passion and purpose are. Um But yeah, the, the, the time down there was um, it was very meaningful. Um, but I felt even more alone and, and more lost. And one day, I, um, I was sitting on that South Padre beach, and um, I did start running a little bit for my pain, but it's very hot mm. down there. So, the, the heat and humidity didn't line up with any of my sensibilities. It was a really hard climate for me to live in. But I, I managed to do it. She's got a pool and there's the, you know, she's got a beautiful place and um, all that. But it, it's just a different climate. I need the cold, I need the pine trees, I need water in rivers and oceans and things like that and green. Um, but there was definitely a day. And I would wear my sunglasses all the time because I was crying all the time. I was crying all the time. And For, this is what, a year? No, this is, yeah, this is a year. Yeah, this is a year. So I went down there in 2010, so I would celebrate the one year. And if you've talked to any moms in particular, maybe dads too, um, that first year is pretty numb. I'd say that most moms probably can't tell you everything they did that first year, because mm-hmm. you just have to put one foot in front of the other, and keep breathing. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. And there's days when you can barely do that. And um, I think that's pretty pretty. That that would, that's pretty normal, not unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. Um. But yeah, there was a day when the, the pain and the sadness and the profound loss just kept building and building and building because then the fear was coming in as, what am I going to do? I don't have a job. I have no money. I've now failed at this other marriage um, who that person really hurt my children too. So, and then my children, I saw them hurting. I felt responsible for their pain but I I couldn't do anything for my own. Mm -hmm. So there was a real fear as to how am I going to, I'm only 55, 56, what am I going to do to support myself? You know, this isn't how I saw my life playing out Mm -hmm. and um, there was nothing in me that wanted to pick up a resume and start handing out and seeing if I could find a job. Um, I'd been a flight attendant for many years. I sort of thought about getting back into that world. Um, But it had to be something where it was pretty mindless. (laughs)